Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Joining me today is Josh Flum, the managing uh, partner at LRV Health. Josh, how are you today? Uh, good. Pleasure to be here. And uh, thanks for having me on, Jared. Excited to have you here today. Let's dive right into it. If you could tell us a little bit about your background, I know the audience would love to hear that. Okay, great. Yeah. So I, as you mentioned, I'm currently at um, at LRV Health, which is a, a, a venture ca- early stage venture capital fund based in Boston. But I'll get a little bit to how I came here because uh, I'm uh, most recently here. But I spent the uh, initial uh, roughly 20 years of my career in a variety of different roles with uh, CVS Health. Uh, most recently, uh, before I left as the chief strategy officer. Uh, but I would say I was, you know, fortunate. And as I look up, I am always surprised it's been 20 years, by the way, even when I say that. But, um, you know, fortunate over that time to have had exposure to a number of businesses, pharmacy, PBM, health plans, care delivery, uh, new businesses like clinical trials and roles that took me through operations, technology, P&L ownership, uh, M- large-scale M&A and starting a venture funds, new businesses and innovation. So I was really fortunate to be in a company that was growing and then to have a series of roles that allowed me to grow and develop along the way. Um, you know, by way of like kind of quick history of recapping, you know, 20 years is um, I came into um, CVS, uh, started roughly in about 2001. I had been prior to that a white-collar uh, criminal defense attorney, actually, and then was with the Boston uh, Consulting Group when I decided that uh, perhaps I really wanted to move into business versus law, but I wasn't ready to go pay for another education. So learned a tremendous amount of BCG, and it took me to CVS at a time when CVS was asking the question of kind of what's next. If you go back to 2001, uh, CVS had been a very strong kind of regional uh, convenience chain, uh, roughly $20 billion in sales and had grown. But the CEO at the time, Tom Ryan, was asking us, like, what's next, right? Because retail, I think now we're in a world, Jared, where every business is, you know, uh, eminently di- uh, disruptable and technology has enabled that. But retail's always been disruptable. Businesses come and go. So uh, if you think about Woolworths, if you think about Sears, if you think about Circuit City, you know, brands, my parents knew, I don't know. Brands I knew, my kids don't know. Um, so we were looking at what to do. And, and what looks really obvious in hindsight is one of the things that we really focused in on there was pharmacy and the ability to really grow the pharmacy business. Uh, if you thought about some of the demographic trends, if you thought about reimbursement trends, that was going to be a very large part of the future. And there was opportunity to position CVS for success. And and that took me through a journey in the early part of my career where I came in and worked in pharmacy operations as we revamped our workflow, led our pharmacy systems as we rebuilt our systems and tools in pharmacy, ultimately led our pharmacy uh, business uh, for several years as we grew that business, uh, both in terms of dispensing, but also in terms of the integration of clinical care. Uh, adherence, gaps in cares, and other clinical invention interventions into pharmacy as we grew it organically and inorganically through M&A. So spent a lot of time there. We also, during that time, bought Caremark, uh, PBM, and spent a lot of time at the intersection of retail pharmacies and PBMs and how you bring those capabilities together to provide better care for patients. And then ultimately in 2016, um, our then CEO, Larry Merlo, asked me to um, uh, 
uh, lead strategy for the company. We felt we were at an inflection point, uh, Jared. So we started to think about and, and do a, a step back from our headwinds and tailwinds in our core business, looked at the market and thought about what needed to be next as we thought about where the future would go. You know, when we looked at that, after looking at multiple things, we ultimately ended up moving up to uh, buy a health plan. Uh, we, uh, as people know, we uh, bought Aetna and so worked and led the strategy around that, then led the integration of the two companies. Um, and ultimately then subsequent to that, led our strategy function across the uh, businesses uh, led our business development, started our venture fund, uh, led our digital organization for a period of, of time, um, and started some new businesses like our clinical trials business. So had a full range of experiences over the course of that 20 years. So as I like to say, it was like, and it, it, sorry, it took so long to go through it, many chapters as the company grew, the company evolved, my role changed, but it was really a, a, a phenomenal a way to kind of build, you know, both my breadth and, and depth of understanding, but also just picked up a lot of great lessons along the way from great leaders, uh, great mentors, and, uh, you know, great teammates. And there must have been, uh, Josh, something special about LRV Health then to, to make you want to, you know, at that time, make the transition over to there. Can you tell the audience, you know, maybe what was it that made you want to make that leap, that next leap? And then also, just in case, I, I don't think we have many of our <laughs> listeners that don't know uh, what LRV Health is and, and some of the investments that you've made. But maybe you give us a broad overview and some recent investments, perhaps, or or some success, you know, some previous successful investments. Yeah, certainly. So I would say, Jared, I came to the so to, to sort of take your questions, you know, kind of in order there. I. I came to a point where one of the things that I was spending a lot of time in at, C at CVS, as I said, was it started our venture fund and was spending a lot of time at that, uh, what I considered to be that intersection of uh, really entrepreneurship and innovation in healthcare, and then uh, kind of large scale incumbents. And how do you put those things together to create change in healthcare? It takes both, and they often don't really understand each other, you know, that well. There's misunderstandings on both sides, right? And healthcare is a really hard thing to change because, unlike just traditionally consumer based products, see, it, I always think you can't go viral in healthcare, meaning you need to have a great new innovation that has product market fit, but then you have to fit into workflows and you have to fit into payment models and you have to fit into this, you know, quote unquote system. And we could argue whether healthcare is really an end-to-end -end system or it's a set of competing economic uh, models. It, it's probably a little bit more of the latter. So you need a combination of both new thinking, but also an understanding of how to put those pieces together and scale them. I love that part of the world, and I wanted to spend more time there. And as you talked about LRV Health, LRV Health is a very unique venture uh, platform. It, it's an early stage venture invest, investment firm. It's largely uh, series A and B, but does seed, does later, but that's predominantly there. It is, and this is very unique, um, all of the LPs that invest in LRV Health are incumbents, strategic incumbents. So they're health systems, health plans, or vendors that are around the healthcare space. That's highly unusual. And so they spend their time and we spend our time there thinking and working with those incumbents to understand their needs, how they think the world is going, also sharing with them what's happening in the world, how they should be thinking about the future, and then working with entrepreneurs in that space and bringing together the best of those incumbents with entrepreneurs to try to create 
change within the system. Um, and so that gives us a very unique vantage point, both in terms of diligence, in terms of working with and being great partners to companies, helping them understand go-to-market, product market fit, helping them find pilot partners and ultimately implementation partners. So it, among all the places that I I, I know and, and, and looked at, is very unique in that way that it approaches venture. And that's what really drew me um, uh, to your question, uh, to LRV Health. And what what have been some of the I mean, I, I know probably every investment that you make, right? There's obviously there's there's interest there, but maybe you can go through some of the the recent ones with us and uh, some of the thought process about why why you thought they made sense. Well, I would say this, and you know, and maybe it's a way to I'm you know the the firm has made a number of of great investments over the years that I know you've even had. I think from Story Health, you've recently had folks on. I was, but <laughs> you spoke with me. I would say I'm. Um, newer to the firm, just started uh, a couple of months ago, and I'm in the process of, uh, of like sort of where I'm looking and finding investments. So I may can talk a little bit about some of the trends and there, you know, uh, versus some of the historical investments, although there are great ones. Uh, they weren't ones that I led, um, you know, at the time. Yeah, Josh, let's let's focus in on that then. So what are what are you seeing from the market today? I hear a variety of different uh, things right now from investors, entrepreneurs, some some similar thoughts on both sides, but some super different. Would love to hear your thoughts on kind of the market and then maybe your outlook, if you don't mind. Yeah. So a couple of things, you know, you know, if, if you look at the market, we're in an interesting sort of place in the market. You can probably say that a lot of times, right, because it's always evolving. But you're coming off of, I think, if you want to think about where you are, it's a little bit of where you came from. So we're coming off a period, I think, in COVID that had, you know, itself very unique characteristics, right? It, it that really accelerated digital health, right? You had an environment, right, where you just saw a huge uptick in utilization, of a lot of innovations, right, in healthcare by necessity, right, as you think about how COVID sort of shifted how care was delivered in the country. So more virtual, right, a lot more community-based care, right, really explosion of technology there. You also had a regulatory environment that just sort of unlocked a lot of opportunity really quickly and things that take a longer period of time that also led to like kind of explosive utilization and growth. And then you had a financial environment with sustained kind of low interest rates, right, and a real boom in the market that drove and freed up, you know, a lot of capital. So while people say the environment right now is unusual, you could say that was somewhat of an unusual period. So so now where you come to, uh, Jared, is, is a market where, A, well, some of the utilization of digital health capabilities has come down, the, the new normal is higher. The regulatory environment is shifting in some of the things that were COVID specific. So the lifting of the PHE, as you know, and other sort of uh, period uh, based regulatory changes. And certainly the capital markets have gotten tighter, you know, as interest rates have gone up. And so there's less capital, still a lot, but less. But I think in that environment, so is this the normal? Was that the normal? Is the normal some equilibrium in between? I think the story to be told. In these moments, what I usually think is you think about what are the kind of lasting and durable market forces that are going to impact healthcare going forward? And then how do you invest into those? So 
for example, right, you have had this and continued shift of insurance models into a lot of government programs, particularly things like Medicare Advantage, right? So that starts creating an environment that, because those are primarily risk-based models, that starts to shift like risk-based models further down in the continuum. So you see a lot of uh, risk-based models that have emerged and sort of been working within uh, sort of primary care models. So you see a lot of primary care models that are shifting to those longitudinal models, right, and taking on risk around the total cost of care. That's moving into specialty, where you where you can sort of start to control pathways. So if you think about oncology and cardiology, you're seeing the extension of those models there. So those are investable themes. The, the regulatory environment, the long-range trends in that are out of acute settings, right, and into home, community, virtual settings. That's a longitudinal trend. So you'll continue to see, I think, advancements and new companies there. I think over time, it's going to be ones that can connect the dots across those channels instead of being just one or just the other. How do I actually leverage all of those channels to provide better care? And as I said, lean into some of these value-based trends. Consumerism in healthcare, this is a system that was historically built a little bit more around the provider and a poor customer experience. I think the water level starting to rise. You've seen new entrants into healthcare that come from more of a consumer focus, uh, like CVS, my old company, and others. You've seen digital experiences that are much more consumer friendly, a lot more to go there. But I think that trend uh, is going to continue, right? And that's an investable thesis. And then, Joe, without going too long, I'd say there's two other sort of trends to watch in the market that will create shifts. Uh, One is how does inflation roll through the market? Right now, inflation has primarily impacted the provider, right, because their costs have risen. And so if you look at health systems, they've had, you know, sustained higher costs eating into their profit margins. So they have to think about where are there things that can really help me reduce cost and administrative complexity, where are innovations there? How can I think of some of my cost centers and maybe turn them into profit centers, spinning out businesses and, you know, revenue cycle management or others or building businesses out of some of my care management capability? But inflation will lag and then hit through the rest of the system. So inflation will ultimately raise prices to to health plans and payers. Right. And so you'll see premiums rise and that may change how benefits are structured. That will be passed down to employers who will probably pass it to consumers. And consumers are a bit jarred at the breaking point in terms of how much they can afford within healthcare. So the ACA shifted us from having a big coverage problem. We still have one, eight and a half percent of Americans aren't covered, uh, but that's down from 16. But a lot of them I think are underinsured, meaning they have super high deductibles. They have a lot of -of out-of-pocket costs. And if you continue to shift that burden to them, there's going to be opportunities to think about what kind of innovations that they need in those cash pay markets or other markets to help them afford healthcare. And then the other big longitudinal trend I think is, is pharmaceuticals, which is we're on the verge of some incredible breakthroughs in terms of what we can treat and how we can treat it. But the cost of those drugs is very high. And so the ability of the system to adapt itself for how do I not just um, go and do the R and D function, but how do I actually move those through the system and drive where utilization is appropriate, get them to patients? There's a lot of work to be done and a lot of room for innovators in that space, in my opinion. And and what, you know, as we, uh, I would love to have you on again too, to kind of, mm-hmm. uh, especially as you 
as you have some of these investments coming yep. through, we could, you know, shout them out. Um, as we wrap up here, Josh, what excites you now that you're, you know, you're, you're just, you're, you were always looking at this space, but now you're looking at it through even a different lens, right. As a, as, as managing this firm, um, would, would love to hear what really excites you yeah. in terms of what, what areas you might go into, I guess. Yeah. Well, a couple of things that I'd say, and I'll talk about the areas too, but you know, the really quick thing I'd say is that what really excites me is, you know, um, I now spend a lot of my time in different ways, but one way I spend it is out with a lot of entrepreneurs and there are great and exciting things happening. I spend a lot of time with our SLPs, which are leaders in health systems and payers across the country and their openness for innovation, their desire and understanding that I can't do it all inside the four walls of this shop, but I need to go and look outside, right? And look to this community for places where I can invest, where I can partner, where I can bring the best of this innovation. I think that is really stronger than it's been in years, right? So the, I guess what I'd say is like the foundation for change really does exist, I think, uh, within that world. And that's very exciting to me because at this point in my career, that's what I want to be a part of. I want to help these companies. I want to help incumbents. I want to find ways that we can create, I think, you know, better health outcomes, uh, you know, and, and sort of make this system less complex and more manageable for folks. So that's really interesting to me. In terms of investments, I'm really digging in quite a bit right now within that pharmacy space, just because I really think we are on the cusp of a kind of, we I, I look at it, I'll give you a good example. There was a recent hemophilia drug, hemophilia type A, miraculous in terms of what it can do, cost $3.5 million. So how does a system evolve around that? Does our current system really fit that in? What can we do to help innovate around how we can get those appropriately to people, but thinking about managing cost, managing complexity, not just for the patient, but for the employer, the ultimate payer. So I think there's a lot to still be done there because it's exciting from a science perspective, but it's also very complicated uh, from a pricing and insurance perspective. So that's one area that I'm looking at. And maybe we could do, as you talked about, when we come back, do a deeper dive in, in that area and also some areas of care delivery that, you know, I think the firm's quite interested in, I'm quite interested in, you know, as we think about what's next. Well, Josh, I, I really look forward to, like I said, we'll need to get you on a panel on another episode because I want to dive into more of this. Um, hopefully I run into you at some of these conferences throughout the, the course of the year. If not, maybe next time I'm up in Boston, which uh, I'm up there usually uh, once or twice a quarter, just being from there. Um, but it would be great to continue the conversation. Yeah, that would be great. I'd love to have by then listen to all your podcasts, but I looked the other day when we were listening, you have about 390 or 415. So I'll, I'll be through a part of it next time we talk. But uh, but yeah, I'd love to continue <laughs> to uh, you know share information with you as we go forward. Love it. Awesome. Looking forward to that, Josh.